You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Making his Philadelphia home debut at 6'5", from Arizona State, number one, the Beard, James Harden! You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney, joining you here today for episode 62 of this glorious and illustrious podcast, the day after James Harden's debut here in Philadelphia, where the Philadelphia 76ers were able to get a win against the New York Knicks, 123-108. to 108. Uh, this is our life now, ladies and gentlemen. We have a j- absolute offensive juggernaut here in Philadelphia, a team that is capable of outscoring any team on any given night. There is no one in this league that scares me when our team is at the top of their game, and we just this is just what it is. This is this is our life now. Joel and B with a twenty-seven point. It, it was just a nice, nice chill night for both of the boys. Harden had twenty-six, nine and nine. Embiid had 27-12-4. Maxi had 25 where he just lit it up in the second half, especially in that fourth quarter. It's just it's amazing to see the development in his game in just these last couple of games where the ball has been taken out of his hands and he's now been forced to play uh, more of a two-guard slasher sort of just off the ball uh, and he's just he's not handling the ball nowhere near as much as he was and he hasn't missed a beat. He actually looks better than he has all season long. So it's just unlocked another level of this team and another level of his capabilities. Uh, Tobias Harris with 14 points, kind of, you know, a nice night. We I I need a little bit more from him shooting and just being more confident in his shot and his jump shot and his ability to make just catch and shoot threes. That's that's going to be the thing that they need from him the most, uh, and that that he needs to do uh, to just have his own more personal success and for the team to have even more success. Let's take it back a few days. Let's start with the Minnesota game, all right? The Minnesota, Philadelphia 76ers, we travel to Minnesota. James Harden makes his debut that day. The the Philadelphia 76ers put up 133 that night, 133 to 102. Not much of a game from beginning to end. Harden, 27, 8 boards, 12 assists. Uh, Embiid was on fire, 34-10, you know, making three threes. Harden had five threes. Just an absolutely spectacular debut. Couldn't, Couldn't have asked for more. And then we have the Knicks on Sunday afternoon in the Garden, and we put up 125. Those first two games were, the, I believe, the second and third highest uh, point totals by the 76ers all season long. That just, that's the James Harden effect. That goes to show you what, what can happen when you, have, when you add one of the best perimeter scorers and just the best offensive basketball players to ever play the game. One of the top 75 best players to ever play. An MVP. It's just the accolades and the list goes on. This is what James Harden is. This is what he brings to a basketball team. And when you slot in a James Harden in 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 absence of a Ben Simmons who, let alone was was not even playing and, and not producing for this team at all, and even if he was playing, the the difference that James Harden makes on your team, especially offensively, is just it leaps and bounds away from from what a Ben Simmons can do. Uh, James Harden is an unbelievable point guard. 
just an unbelievable facilitator and running of the offense. He he knows where the ball needs to be needs to go. He makes quick decisions, and he has that ability to score whenever he wants, which is the thing that you know Ben was a good facilitator, and he he kind of knew where the ball needed to be, and he knew he was learning how to run the offense, but he was always handicapped or hindered by the fact that he had no offensive game and no willingness or ability to shoot the ball or attack the rim because of fear of going to the free throw line. It just all those things in the end held him back and kept him from being the player that he always could have been or that we always thought he should have been. So that that that's that's that. You know, you have Ben Simmons now sitting out. He's going to be week to week with back st- stiffness or back soreness. Not to be confused with general soreness, which was a uh, Jimmy Butler thing when he was sitting out. But the next game on Sunday. 37-9-3 from Joel Embiid. He shoots 27 attempted free throws, makes 23 of them. And I, I saw a lot a lot of the conversation this past weekend was about how, you know, will they keep fat, like uh, Joel, Joel and James Harden are going to be foul merchants and it's going to be impossible to watch their games or, or uh, it's going to be so, like, uh, unbearable to watch their games because all they're going to do is shoot free throws. Well, then just, like, like people keep sending the meme, stop fouling them. Just stop fouling them. Like, you ha- this is how you you can't guard them, so you're gonna have to just hack at them. And I, I saw, I mean, there's plenty of things and discussion points that you could bring up to show that I saw a video showing that Wilt Chamberlain and, and Shaq in their prime, and just the amount of attempted free throws that they had, and there were more than what Joel has now. But Joel just makes them. You know, he makes them at an 85 percent clip. Or you know above eighty, but and that that's the reason why he looks like such a foul merchant because he actually makes the free throws. He's not just going to the line and you know bricking and bricking and bricking and bricking. So that that's an advantage. That's one hundred percent an advantage for our team because Joel Embiid is one of the most unguardable players on the planet Earth. He's the MVP without question. When you watch him play, that's how much of a difference he makes on every single night. I mean, we still have James Harden, but James Harden knows. To like he, it's not, it doesn't even need to be a discussion. He's going. What's best for the team is to feed that ball down to the post. Let Joel go to work. Let let him get his when the when the time comes. There's just it, it adds a whole new element to our game where the, these these teams can't just collapse on Joel all the time, and they can't they can't just focus on him, which they kind of were in the past. You know, they they would be able to bring these double teams, and it would be on Joel to find open guys and on Joel to facilitate, and you're just asking a lot of a 7-2 center and, a, you know, just any big guy like that to facilitate it is, is, a, is a tall task, tall task, and I use that word very unlightly. Um, Harden had a triple-double in the uh, Sunday game, you know, Maxi with another 21-point performance, uh, you know, and it was a little slow from Tobias again. That's going to be the thing uh, that everyone sort of rails on or continues to discuss is the fact that Tobias Harris has not looked good in these first three games. Uh, he looked better last night, but he has just not lived up to his uh, his billing or his paycheck or anything so far. And, and I'm not getting too worried about that because we have so much time between now and when we actually are going to need Tobias Harris to perform. But I think it's fair to point that out, though. We, we are going to need him to play better. We are going to need him to hit threes. We are going to need him to shoot confidently and play with confidence, not force things, 
you know, get his little post fadeaways and stuff like that. But also when you catch the ball on, on the, you know, at the three-point line, right, like, you know, off the elbow sort of area, you got to jack that up. If there's no one around you, you got to jack that up. We have to trust, you have to trust yourself, and we have to trust your ability to make that shot. We need it. This is easily the best team that the Sixers have had in, uh, in, my, in my lifetime. And I'm a 26-year-old man. I'm going to be 27 soon. This, this, is, this is easily the best team. I, I don't even say that with any reservations. Or The closest was the Jimmy Butler team. That team was very good. Uh, they, they, weren't, they weren't as deep or that deep. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say we're like the deepest team in the world, but our four guys... Our top four guys are, are uh, uh, you, you, I don't, I just, are especially our top three. Let's just go with our top three are way better than that top three that we had back in 2018, 19 area, I believe it was. So, yeah, that's, give me that. Give me Tyrese Maxey. Give me James Harden. Give me Joel Embiid. And especially since we, Joel Embiid's playing at the highest level he's ever played at. James Harden seems like he hasn't missed a beat or all the discussions of him being washed or not, not going to be able to uh, you know, uh, co- coexist or, or blend in well with this team or with, with Joel Embiid or not being able to just, just blend in at all. It, it's that, that, that was all hogwash. That's, it was all just uh, conjecture. It was all, it was all nonsense. Harden has absolutely assimilated incredibly. He's facilitating. He's finding wide open guys, and when the time comes, they run that pick and roll, and it's it's deadly. Uh, and I know there was also a discussion saying, "Oh, well, Joel Embiid's not going to be able. You know, he's not going to have the ball in his hands. He's not, it's going to take away from him. He's not going to be able to, you know, know what to do rolling to the bucket, and it, like like he can't do exactly what Clint Capella did for years in Houston, or or Nick Claxton last year. Like James Harden makes life." a thousand times easier for a big man like Joel Embiid running that pick and roll. It, it, it's, it's, it's nuclear. It's, it's you, it's, it has nuclear capabilities. It, it's unbelievable. And if you don't think that Joel Embiid can catch lobs or, or dunk handoffs or just, he can do all of that. He, he's very much capable. He just hasn't had anyone to do that with or to make it, make life that easy for him. He now does have that. James Harden, he has made basketball in the city. St- I, I, I can't even, I can't even be- begin to express the words of how much fun it is to watch them play now. That I have this is, I'm exuding confidence. I have this overwhelming feeling of joy when I watch the Sixers play basketball now. Now, last night was a little rough at times. I think in years past. That would have been a game that we kind of just rolled over and died, or, or or we just you know came up short at the end. But we steamrolled them in the second half, and, and when we went down around sixteen in that second quarter, and then made, you know made a little run towards the end of the uh, end of the first half, beginning of the second half, it was party was over. We just continued to run them down for the rest of the game. We have too many weapons. We have too many things that you need to worry about and that you need to stop. And if we can get even a guy like Danny Green or Korkmaz or somebody like that to start hitting open threes, we're deadly. I mean, Matisse was even, Matisse scored 10 points last night. He was doing his thing on defense. He always does. I mean, even Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett were going off. They, they, they had themselves a pretty good game. But it, it 
wasn't enough, you know, and it's not that you're going to need more than just a pretty good game to, to beat us. Now you're going to need your a game. You're going to need to play flawless basketball because we have one of those teams. We are without question. One of the best, we're one of the top four teams in the NBA without question. Bucks, Suns, maybe the Warriors, whoever else you want to put in there and then us. And I think we're even better than some of those teams I just named. Suns have their own health issues. Bucks, you know, are good, but we got to see it. We got to, you know, that's where I'm at. We got to see it. We got some big games coming up this week. Friday against the Cavs, Saturday against the Heat. And then we got a game against the uh, Bulls next week. So these are some big Eastern Conference matchups coming into town that we're going to, you know, that we're going to be dealing with. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a nice nice test to see. That, you know, it's not going to be the Timberwolves, not going to be the Knicks. These are going to be teams that we may see in the playoffs, and it's going to be a nice measuring stick. I always talk about that here on the, on the old Hot Take Hot Box. Measuring stick games, man, that especially in the NBA, you like to see where you stack up. Talked about it in the NFL season when the Eagles would be playing the, the, the teams like the Cowboys and just the teams that we were not able to beat all season long, like, I want to see where we stack up, and we saw where we stacked up. We weren't on that level. Now I want to see where the Sixers are. Do we stack up? Are we on that level? Can we play with the teams in the and with the top teams in the Eastern Conference? I have no doubt that we will. No doubt in my mind that we will take care of business and we will do what needs to be done. You you can't you can't tell me nothing right now that's even rational, or you want to tell oh well the Sixers are going to have trouble. No, no thanks, dude. Maybe next week we'll be singing a different tune if they lose two or three out of these games, or or they look horrible, or something crazy happens. You know, maybe I'll sing a different tune then. But right now, you can't you can't tell me nothing. This we have the we have the best duo in the East, in the East. And let's 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 get right into it now. Since since we're here, you know, we have we have we have some clown. You know, the bad the bad and the good thing about having the Sixers be good now is that it's going to bring a lot of national nonsense along with it we are going to have a lot of idiots speaking on the Sixers and that's a good thing because when you at least I did on ESPN you'd sit there and watch these discussions every day and they're talking about the you know when when the Rockets were good the Thunder you just they're talking about all these different teams in these games and I always thought when we were 10 and 72 or we were going through 25 or 28 game losing streaks, and uh, I'm, you're forced to watch that stuff because you're still a basketball fan. But your team is so bad that you just can't even get invested, or you can't even, you know, like it, it's just it's what's what's there they care about. You watch them, and it's just like okay, this game's over midway through the first quarter. And you would like think about, or at least I would dream about, like maybe one day I, when we're on ESPN, when we have the marquee game, when we have this team that. Everyone on ESPN wants to talk about or, or discuss or like we we're just that we are that team we are those dudes you know and, and now we are those dudes we have all of the marquee star power firepower that you could ever imagine we got a head coach in Doc Rivers who you can discuss whether you know I'm not not the biggest fan ever but that's a big name Daryl Morey GM big name Joel Embiid big name James Harden big name you know we got big names all over the place. And we are absolutely marquee, and not to steal from my good friend Stephen A. Smith, box office. We are absolutely box office now, and we are worth the price of admission every single night. So, like I said, we had some bozos, some real bozos, talking about the Sixers this week, and uh, let's just get into our, our man, 
my man, you know, my personal friend, I'm just kidding, Jason McIntyre from from uh, Fox Sports 1. He was in this week or last week, I believe, for the uh, people from Undisputed. Skip and Shannon must have needed a uh, couple days off, so they sent in Jason McIntyre, Rick Buecher, and Greg Jennings to give their hot takes uh, on the uh, 76ers and just the, the whole situation. So I'm going to play... This, uh, you know, this clickbait sort of thing from Jason McIntyre just because, yeah, you know, it works for both of us. You know, I, I play his shit. You know, he, this is what he wants. He wants people to just talk about it. It doesn't matter whether he's right or wrong. He doesn't even believe half the shit he says. But, you know, let's just get into it. I, I mean, Bucks, I get it. You know, I really love this Sixer stuff, guys. I don't know if you were on social media. Hopefully not. You spend your weekends with your families. But I did see some bozos in Philadelphia posting photos of James Harden hugging Joel Embiid on the court and saying, this is the new Kobe Shaq. And, and I just, I, I lost it. I just couldn't stop laughing. I told my kids, like, this is comical. <laughs> Folks, I- Now, <clears throat> listen, you want to argue that, that's fine. That, that I'm not going to sit here and t- comparing Kobe and Shaq, a t- or, you know, those guys who won three titles. They three-peated, right? They won three titles together. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you whether that's correct, factual, or false, or anything like that. I, that's that. I'm not. I'm not into the comparison game like that. But let's you know. Let's let's keep it going. I mean, listen. The reality is, these are two great regular season players, right? James Harden, an iconic regular season player. All he does in the playoffs is choke, kind of like his coach Doc Rivers, the only coach to lose three three-one series in NBA history. And Joel Embiid, you know, he's never been an alpha in the playoffs. He's never been in the conference finals. Like, let- this is like that most basic level of sports discussion or, or argument or anything like that, where it's just alpha, you know, he wasn't the guy. It's just shit like that, just all dumb shit that it's just using these little buzzwords to get people going or excited or, or think one way or the other because it, it, that, none of that means anything, okay? You can go and ex- – James Harden has not played well in the playoffs. You can't say that Joel Embiid hasn't played well in the playoffs. Maybe he hasn't played on the level that he has in the regular season, but he's never been this good as he is this year. So that all that to me is just nonsense. No one says Jokic hasn't played well in the playoffs, right? They don't hold that shit against those guys when they talk about them. A- any of those guys. That settle in. Hell no. The Sixers are not the favorites in the East. The, the gambling odds have them third, and I'm with Rick. I love the Miami Heat. I hyped the Heat on this show. You guys remember back uh, in the did. offseason in August, and y'all laughed at me. We're the Miami Heat first. Oh, in yeah, the, you're in so smart, bro. But I do want to drill down for a second, Rick. This Harden and Bead idea that they're going to just dominate and eviscerate the East, okay? Let's look at how they are as players. These are guys who are like, your turn, my turn. I'm going to go. I'm going to do my. You didn't watch the game. All right. You, you really didn't watch the game. It wasn't like a, you know, my turn, your turn sort of situation. They were running a pick and roll. And whatever was open or, or whatever they could, whatever worked for them, they did. If it's go through, pumping the ball down to Joel and letting him go to work, or it's setting a pick for James and letting him get a matchup and letting him cook his step back three on someone, that's basketball, bro. You go, I go. There's one ball. What are you talking about? I step back. I'm going to get in my bag, and I'm going to fire up some garbage. Okay? Oh, some and garbage, yeah. Like, okay, it's my turn to showboat and try some Akeem Olajuwon stuff. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Rick, 
The reality like, is these are tell. two ISO players. They do not work. You can just tell, though, like the showboat, Hakeem, just doing some Hakeem shit on the way to averaging like 28 points a game and leading the league in scoring. Just some Hakeem shit, showboating, right? Not not playing basketball or, or, or dominating the game or in the lead for the MVP race. Just showboating. Great together. I can't wait for the honeymoon to end in the playoffs. Hater. Look, I'll take it a next step. This is not even a top five duo in the East. So that that is where uh, you can't even that that's where you like whatever little bit amount of credibility you had just completely goes out the window. Complete like just see you later, bro. Thanks for coming. No, yeah, okay. What like come on, man? Not even a top five duo in the East. What? Come on, dude. You can't even talk logically about that irrationally and say that they're not a top five duo in the East. And, and listen to some of the names that he brings up here. Like, this is like... When you got, like, Kyrie and KD who... Maybe, right? A a if he's playing. Play great together. Jimmy Butler, who's a great defender, and Bam out of box. Now, get the fuck out of here. Seriously, get the fuck out of here if, that, if that's the second one you name. I like that. That is a fucking joke. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, both of our guys singularly, are better than those two. Joel Embiid is better than Bam Adebayo. James Harden is better than Jimmy Butler. Next question. You go on down the list. Giannis and Middleton. All right, Giannis and Middleton I will not disrespect because they won a title together. But I, I... Arguable, right? Arguable. Brown and Tatum... All these what? Am I on drugs? Am I am I am I hallucinating? Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum are better than Joel Embiid and James Harden. Maybe if you base it off the last fifteen games or whatever, I mean these guys were melting down for a large portion of this season, and now they finally figured out how to play basketball together. They finally figured out that there's an A button on their controller. Congratulations. No, they are not a better duo than Joel Embiid and James Harden. Combos work better together. Oh, they work, yeah, be work, work better together. He has to throw that little tidbit in there. Awakening for Philly fans. I know you don't have a lot of experience in the playoffs, but oh, when you go. look at that, the That's just like more buzz, like the, the typical, like that's the Colin Cowherd sort of thing because he's like a little Colin Cowherd, like a minion, where you just try to uh, like stir the pot with whatever the fan base is that you're going after. And that's what he's doing. Like, yeah, you, like here, we'll go back. We'll back. Good awakening. For Philly fans, I know you don't have a lot of experience in the playoffs. I know you don't have a lot of experience in the playoffs, even though we've been in the playoffs all of the last three or four years. I mean, we haven't had great success there, but name the team that has. Right? Who, who are these teams that are having this large amount of uh, sustained great success? The Heat? Yeah, the Raptors? Oh, okay. Yeah, right. They were kind of like one and done sort of uh, things, right? Okay. Yeah, the Hawks, right? Oh, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, oh, the Celtics, right, right, it's not, you know, it's not 2017 anymore, okay, so, yeah, you know, this is just, I, I, I actually feel bad that I'm still even talking about this, but it's, you know, this is fun. But when you look at the postseason, it is a totally different animal. Guys, Agreed. you know, actually try on defense, and James uh, Harden, oh my he's God. seen it, they, they key on him and he can't do anything. I'm just telling you, Sixers fans, a first-round exit will not be a surprise for me, especially especially if they have to draw Miami, Milwaukee, or maybe even Brooklyn. 
I mean, you should see the dumb face he has when he says this nonsense. Come on. Uh, uh, <sighs> uh, this is just so disrespectful. I, I, I'm just going to let J-Mac, it. you always start out in the right direction, and then <laughs> it's does. suddenly like, whoa, where'd he go? He just huh? He just fell off the cliff. What are you, like, what? I'm yes. right here. Jalen Brown, not a better combination than Jalen Brown yeah. and Jason Tatum. Yeah, those guys have been to the conference what, finals what multiple times. Oh, they are God. great, talented players. I take them as a duo over Harden and Embiid, this duo that everybody thinks is the new Kobe Shaq. They're not. That's, <laughs> sorry. Look, I, 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 I hold on to that. Kobe, that that's always what Kobe you know Shaq. when you're losing an argument. You're going to hold on to the one thing that you know you can at least argue about, and that is that Kobe Shaq thing, which – I'm not going to sit here and argue with you that, that Co- they are on the level of Kobe and Shaq, two of the greatest players to ever play the game. So just, yeah. He's going a little too far, but you're little, going way too far in the you. other direction. Does James Harden play an ounce of defense? Oh my Find God. me the definitive James Harden playoff moment where he actually showed up in a game five, six, or seven. Just just find me uh, one. Oh, yeah. It's now all these different, like, you know, little, little tidbits and all these uh, moving the goalpost sort of situations. But. This is the same guy who said, with Russell Westbrook, the Lakers are going to wreck the league in the regular season. They will dominate the West. They're the clear number two to the finals behind the Nets. So this is, uh, this is Jason McIntyre. This is who we are. This is who I am sitting here discussing and, and breaking down uh, you know, his, his glorious hot takes and this, this nonsense that he continued to spit out of his mouth all, all you know. Jason McIntyre thinks the Sixers should move on from Embiid and build around Ben Simmons. Okay, this is the same guy who said, uh, you know, this nonsense. I mean, why are we moving the line because the, the Eagles won at home against the Vikings? Nick Foles had a career game. I, I feel bad because you know I just moved out here from Philadelphia a year and a half ago, so all my Eagles fans back home are angry at me, but they got no shot in this one. No shot, brother. Thank you for that. I appreciate you. Because we did have a shot in that game, and we all know how that how that one ended up. So, this is just kind of his thing, you know. This is just what he what he does. What he's just a hot take artist, uh, you know. I try to be, but I try to have at least a little bit of integrity. Uh, I mean, a little bit of what I say, or have a you know, just have any sort of moral, uh, you know, standard when I, when I'm saying the dumb shit that you know you're forced to say sometimes when you do podcasts or you you have to talk all the time. I mean, you're gonna say dumb shit from time to time, but it seems like this guy uh, gets off on it. He loves he loves this shit, and they're running these clowns out all week long, you know. And I don't want to disrespect uh, you know, Greg Jennings and uh, and Rick Buecher. Uh, they're running this clown out, you know, singularly, not plural. Uh, you know, it's just, there's more from the show. I, I I could do this all day long and just go through their whole show this weekend and just listen to the nonsense that they've discussed throughout the, throughout the year or just through, throughout this last, these last, you know, week, this last week, these guys have given me everything that I need. The, this one is, is Jason McIntyre saying that the, the fit of Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is going to be tremendous. Brooklyn won this trade. Brooklyn is going to the finals. Do we think Brooklyn is already regretting the Harden for Simmons trade? Of course not. Come on, dude. James Harden did not want to be in Brooklyn. Like, Rick, this is a little silly. Danny Green, by the way, must have watched our show yesterday when I said Ben Simmons will not play in Philly. That's obvious. It's not happening. But regretting the trade, I think Ben Simmons is a better fit in Brooklyn than James Harden was. With the Harden-Kyrie combo, it was similar to what I think is Harden and Bede. Your turn, my turn. Ball-dominant guys. I didn't think it was a great fit. Obviously, it was 
three, a collection of talent that we haven't really seen before in the league outside of like LeBron, Wade and Bosch and Curry and Kevin Durant. But this fit of Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is going to be tremendous. And by the way, Kyrie Irving looked great against the Bucks. Made me look like a clown when Kyrie Irving went off. Yeah, and be- see, that's, you know, it doesn't take much to make you look like a clown. This is what this is what this guy does. He'll do this every day. Ben Simmons is ducking that March 10th matchup. He absolutely is. And, you know, then you're going to say in the same sentence that this guy won, they won the trade or eh, just come on, man. I, I, I can't even believe I wasted this much time talking about this nonsense. One more this time, and this one's from Rick Buecher, who is also a member of this show this week, and I asked him if the no. Sixers are the top team in the East, and there's your answer, and I'll just play it. No, they have not. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give you a 6 as, the, as far as what I believe the Philadelphia 76ers are right now, and I'll give you four reasons why I believe what I believe. I want to hear this. One, I have not heard and this And I yet. said it when the trade went down. I thought both the Nets and the Sixers took a step back in terms of their title contention and ability to get to the finals simply because How? we've only seen one team make wait, a fundamental... Wait, wait, wait. How could we have taken a step back? That, that's what I, the discussion to me, it blows my mind. Ben Simmons was not playing for us. You're telling us, or me... That trading Seth Curry and Andre Drummond for James Harden is a step back. Then I then I don't know ball. I don't know basketball. I, I don't I don't know what I'm talking about. Then truly, if that if that's the the discussion or that's what that that's what's true, and, and I just must be a moron. I must be a fucking idiot because I don't know what what that even means. Change to its core with a trade at the trade deadline and actually get to the finals. And that was back in 2004. When the Detroit Pistons acquired Rasheed Wallace from the Atlanta Hawks for Chucky Atkins and Lindsey Hunter and a future first round pick. They ended up going to the finals, ended up beating, ended up beating the Lakers, uh, upsetting the Lakers in the finals. But that's the one team that has added a foundational piece at the trade deadline and actually gotten there. Two teams that get that that argument, I will not. I'm not going to sit here and rail against because it is true. It's hard to make the title or make make the championship, win the championship after a like season altering, franchise altering trade in the middle of the season. A lot of shit has to happen quickly. The chemistry, the the build, and all that. I'm not going to argue if that's your one thing. That's fine. Don't say we didn't get better by making this deal though. To the NBA Finals, there two. Teams that get to the NBA Finals have a top five net rating in in the league. And right now, there are four teams in the Eastern Conference with a better net rating. What that means is just the balance between their defense and their offense and how good those parts of their team are versus the rest of the league. The Cavs, the Celtics. uh... Don't we have a different team now, though? So isn't this a mute discussion? Uh, the Nets. I'm trying to think who Heat the other one Bucks, is. One of those uh, yeah. uh, the Celtics, Heat, Cavs, and Bucks are the four teams that uh, have a better rating. Three, number three, another reason I'm deducting a point from the 10 is Doc Rivers. All right, Doc yeah. Rivers has I'm had not gonna plenty argue with that. of outstanding combinations. And yet, not argue with outside that. of the one run with the Boston Celtics, All right, has blah, not blah, blah, been blah, blah, able to ultimately on. get these Philadelphia 76ers 
to the finals right, and be let's the favorite hear the let's hear the in fourth. the Eastern Conference. And then finally, the fourth reason and the reason that I deduct one more point, they played three games. They've oh. played three games and two of them have been against the New York Knicks. Can we slow down just a little bit? Okay. At least give me the weekend when they play the Cavs in the heat and let me see how those games go yep. before I anoint Philadelphia 76ers as the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, uh, okay. And then when they lose those games and it's only five games, they'll say, yeah, they're done. They're dead, you know. I know it's only been five games, but look at how they played against those two teams, you know. It's just nonsense. So there you go. That's what I wanted to discuss today, that the fact that the haters have called, crawled out of their holes and have, let the, had, and have let it known where they stand on this whole thing. There, there's going to be only a few shining stars in, in the national media, one of them being Big Perk. Uh, Big Perk is a patron saint of this podcast now, and he is going to be – we are going to support him – to no end, as long as he continues to protect and defend the honor of James Harden and Joel Embiid, and whoever will protect the honor and defend the honor of James Harden and Joel Embiid, we will have their their back and their support from beginning to end. So that is that is our Sixers discussion. We went kind of long there, but I did want to just get all, off all that uh, all that shit that was on my mind. MLB lockout. They've canceled the first two game or two series of the season. Not much to discuss there. They're just uh, greedy owners, greedy commissioner. Uh, Manfraud is is doing his best to ruin the game of baseball, ruin any sort of fan base or momentum or, or anything that this league could create. They are going to do their best to ruin that and, and just make us into, a, you know, make the game a shell of itself and... and uh, I don't know. Uh, I I just don't. I don't have much to say other than just I, I'm angry. So I'll continue to just talk shit about the 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 front offices and, and the people in charge. And, and uh, you know, I know the players aren't exact. They're just gonna hold the players at ransom because they know that at some point they're gonna need to play again. They're gonna need to get back on the field and and make paychecks. The guys who are in the minor leagues who they're fighting for right now are gonna be the ones affected most by this because they don't have that slush fund uh, of millions of dollars that they can hold off on until June or July. You know what I mean? Like the owners know what they're doing. They're not negotiating in good faith and they're going to take advantage of these players as much as they can until eventually the players accept a deal that they are not comfortable with and that they know they're not getting the best end of, but they just, they're going to have to do it at some point. And, and it's wrong. I feel for the players and it, may, it leaves you a sour taste in your mouth as a baseball fan. That this is what they're. This is what's more important than, you know, making sure everything's fair, taking care of the money going back and forth, and just making sure that baseball gets played. It's it's sad. It's very sad. But uh, I didn't want to waste too much time on there. Let's move on to the Eagles. Uh, hopefully, by the next time we have a podcast, there's a, there's a, you know, they they've they've agreed to a CBA. And that we can move on to talking about free agency and shit like that. But right now, labor talks and all that, that's boring. No one wants to talk about it. No one likes that. No, no one has fun talking about that. At least I don't personally. So, yeah, uh, let's keep it moving. This week, we are going to get into a Bucky Brooks uh, mock draft. He works for the NFL.com, NFL Network, all, all of those uh, NFL-affiliated websites and whatnot. And he came out with a mock draft this week. 
pretty pretty chalk up top with Aiden Hutchinson going two, Evan Neal going one, Thibodeau going three. We uh, always like to see where Kyle Hamilton's going. He's really – I don't see him anywhere on here. Kyle Hamilton – oh, my God. All right, so how about this? This would be uh, – I, I would I would be uh, – I would literally levitate to the sky if this happened. At number 15, the Eagles are selecting Kyle Hamilton. Safety out of Notre Dame. And you, anyone who knows me or listens to this podcast knows I'm a huge Notre Dame fan, but that – that's uh, separated from this because I think Kyle Hamilton's just an incredible player. He he was what, what he was easily one of the best players on our team last year, and yeah, the addition of a playmaking safety with range, ball skills, and thump would ag- would upgrade an Eagles secondary that could lose a pair of starters in the back end. We definitely need someone back there, and the, the, you have a guy like Kyle Hamilton that would absolutely change. That would change everything, dude. Everything, man. Whew. I, 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 don't, I don't see him falling that far. I've seen him getting picked as high as four or three, you know, upper, upper level of that, of that, you know, that, that echelon of the draft. He's not, I haven't seen a lot where he's falling to 15 naturally. So maybe the Eagles, if he starts falling into the eight, nine section, they trade up for him. I could see that happening because I think he's worthy of being traded up for. He's six, four. He's huge. You know, like you said, playmaking abilities all over the field. He has an incredible IQ. He just he knows where the ball. I mean, he made he just you know, and, and he lowers the boom. So it, he he made plays all season long for the Irish. I I I watched him probably as much as anyone else did. You know, uh, more than anyone else did, just because I was watching all the Notre Dame games. He wound up getting hurt towards the end of the year, but it wasn't like a serious catastrophic injury. I'm sure he's ready to go by now. Give me Kyle Hamilton, man. Uh, that that would be. That would be quite the move. Uh, 16, they have the Eagles taking Chris Olav, a wide receiver from the University of Ohio State. The Eagles have the draft capital needed to make the necessary upgrades at wide receiver. Olav is a polished route runner and the potential, and with the potential to flourish as a wide receiver to opposite Devontae Smith. Sign me up. That sounds good to me as well, man. I, I'm, I'm all in. And then with the 19th pick, they have the Eagles selecting Jermaine Johnson II, an edge rusher from Florida State. The Eagles need to find a replacement for 33-year-old Brandon Graham, who's you know coming off the Achilles. Not to mention Derek Barnett's hitting the open market. Johnson could get the call as an athletic pass rusher with a nonstop motor. That's what I like to hear. You know, I like to hear that nonstop motor. That's th- this is that probably the best mock draft I've read so far on this podcast. You can go back the last few weeks. And some of the ones I've read, there's no Drake London on there. Shout out to Deem. He does not want Drake London. Uh, Drake London on this one is going uh, 13 to the Browns. Uh, Garrett Wilson going 10. Kenny Pickett going 6 to the uh, Panthers. Uh, other than that, it's kind of, uh, you know, Sauce Gardner going 8. That's one guy we want here on the podcast. Devin Lloyd going 9. And, you know, Linderbaum's going 14. That's another guy I've uh, pegged as who I want. Bleak Willis going 20. Jordan Davis going 22. I don't know who how people feel about Trent McDuffie. I'm not, you know, not, nothing against him, but having another cornerback from Washington after the Sidney Jones experiment was, you know, not exactly what I'm all in on. Jamison Williams going 25. And N'Kobe Dean going twenty nine. And see, that's uh, that's a little late in my mind, but I would love, I'd love to get a N'Kobe Dean. If we even even if we had to trade that last pick back, 
you know, I, I, I love to have Jermaine Johnson, but, and, you know, maybe he's gone or maybe we don't like who we, we have there. I just, or maybe we trade up with that second round pick and get, and get a, a guy like N'Kobe Dean late in that, or maybe he sinks, you know, how some of the, this draft can get a little funky, you know, sort of later on the, in these first rounds, some of these guys fall and you're like, wow, why did he fall? Oh, you know, he, we didn't like the way he interviewed and he still comes out and he becomes a great player. So, I mean, Tyron Matthew you know, because he smoked a little weed at uh, LSU, they, nobody wanted to pick him, and then he, he's gone on to become an all-pro safety and had a, a long, illustrious career in the NFL when everyone, you know, in these front offices passed on him multiple times. Let's jump right into it, ladies and gentlemen. We have the PFF Mock Draft Simulator. I did one of these the other day, and Kyle Hamilton was the first pick off the board, which was crazy. You got Aiden Hutchinson. He's the number one here. Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, Kyle Hamilton, Stingley, Sauce Gardner. You know, uh, Karloftis is picked here early. Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson go back to back. Kenny Pickett is the eleventh. Uh, you know, they just they don't know here with the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are it's either going to be Willis or Pickett first off the board. Depends on how desperate some of these teams are. Linderbaum here at uh, 15s an option. Devin Lloyd, Nakobe Dean. I think I'm just going to go with Linderbaum here just to get it out of the way. Could always use another lineman. Um, really would like a Karloftis, or, or I, I would even. I, I think I might pick Trayvon Walker later on, or Devontae Wyatt. One of those guys. Ajabo still here too. So, uh, but I do like Nakobe Dean. I've told you on here before. Uh, I, that's just who I want. Uh, so let's go and see who got picked in between Ajabo. And Jamison Williams are the two guys that got picked in between. So now we picked a, a center and a linebacker. I think we could use a little bit of edge rushing. Give me Trayvon Walker, a lineman out of Georgia. And that'll do it for us for the mock drafts here. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of, I, I, with having these three picks, I've learned it's just there's going to be so many options. And so, so much cape, like just there, we have, it's going to be really hard to fuck this up really hard. Uh, and Howie is, I know some of you out there listening right now going, well, it's Howie Roseman. Yeah. I, I don't blame you for thinking that way, but I, I, I can't, I can't think like that because it's just, it's a negative energy. I'm not, we're not there anymore. You know, we have James Harden's in the city. We're about to get Russell Wilson, you know? So We'll see. You know, I, the Russell Wilson stuff and all the quarterback stuff. I, the the, uh, the boys came out this weekend in, in big support of Russell Wilson and uh, not Russell Wilson, uh, J- Jalen Hurts, that being Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman. So, you know, of course they're going to do that. They can't just go out there and say, yeah, we really want Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. Like, we really want to get a new quarterback. Uh, they're obviously not going to say that. But, you know, I guess it is a little bit of newsworthy that they did come out and support and say Jalen is our guy and all that, but they're always looking to make the team better and add different, you know, elements and all that. But we have three first-round picks. There's definitely going to be possibilities to add and make this team better. We shall see. Flyers still stink. They play the Minnesota Wild tonight. So if you want to watch that, go ahead, by all means. Trying to get Shane right. That's what I'm all about. And uh, we're gonna have some guests on next week. I'm looking to have a few a few different guys on. So we'll you know we'll we'll see. We're uh, dog carrying on in the background if you can hear that. But uh, it's you know we're gonna get out of here. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Hot Take Hotbox. My name is Matt McSweeney. 
comments, questions, concerns, always hit me up on Twitter at Matt McSweeney. Anywhere you can reach me, uh, email me yeah, at the hot, hot take hotbox at gmail.com. We're not playing around. Whatever, whatever you want to read, send me a letter. I'll read the whole thing on here and we'll talk about it. You, you don't, I, that's how I do, dude. So let, let, let's do it. Uh, thank you for joining me as always. This has been the Hot Take Hotbox.